Aussies are relocating from capital cities to regional Australia in record numbers. We could give you all the stats about better house prices, all the jobs on offer and higher levels of happiness, but what's better than hearing from someone who's made the move themselves? Welcome to You Moved Where, the podcast where we interview everyday Aussies who have moved from the city to the country. I'm your host, Beck Bignall, a girl from regional Australia who moved to the city and then, you guessed it, back to regional Australia. This is You Moved Where. (laughs) The atmosphere at a country footy match is an experience. Cars and utes line the boundaries, locals clutch hot dogs, fans barrack wildly, whistles blast, horns beep, And according to Auntie Yvonne Green, the best week of the season is the Indigenous round. And the loudest cheers come from the First Nations nanas, waving their fists and shouting from the sideline. They bring an energy and passion that can't be rivalled. Auntie Yvonne Green has always been a natural cheerleader. She's dedicated her whole life to making opportunities accessible to people in her community. A Natu elder from Norseman in regional WA She's always loved an adventure and was quick to accept a job opportunity in Perth. The excitement of city life was something she couldn't wait to try. Never one to be intimidated, she adjusted seamlessly and flourished in the new environment. The thrill of city life inspired her to travel to even bigger cities, travelling to places all over the world where her deep connection to her own culture fostered invaluable relationships and experiences First Nations people from many different countries. The tug of her roots eventually drew her back to regional Australia. Her advocacy remains relentless and the pride she has for her community, culture, people and place is as invigorating as the pristine ocean that now laps at her door. (laughs) Auntie Yvonne Green, you moved where? I moved from Norswood, a small country town, to Perth. City. After I finished working in the city, I moved back to Espens. Now, where did you grow up? Can you tell me a little bit about your childhood? I grew up in Norseman. It was a gold mining town. We had um, many children at the school when I went to school in Norseman. And also, there was a mission 16 Ks out of town where the stolen generation children were. But at that time, we wasn't aware of them being stolen generation. So we all mixed together and went to school. And then later on in life, I found out that many of those children didn't have their mums and dads and they didn't know where their family was. Whereas we lived with our mum and dad. It wasn't flash living. It was just basic living. Both of my parents and couldn't read and write. But mum was able to sign her name. Dad had to sign his name with a cross. He worked really hard on the railways. We just had basic stuff. We didn't have anything flash in the house. Didn't get a washing machine till later on. Could afford it. There was no car, so had to walk and rely on family to take us. If we had wanted to go to the other towns from Norseman, We'd go with family or go on the train or catch the bus. When did you go to move from Norseman to Perth? I was working at school 
and there were some job opportunities came up. So I've always wanted to live in the city because I love the city and it was all this new big dream for me. So I came to the city. While I was in the city, I had opportunity to get back in the education system and that's where I stayed in that education system for 29 years. Wow. And when you moved to the city, was it a big change from where you were living in Norseman? Yes, it was big. There were certain groups of people. They had their little groups, Aboriginal groups, and I was with a group who was all affiliated with the same church. That, that was my little safety net. I rented house for a few years, and then my friends said it's better to buy than rent. So I ended up getting a loan and buying a house. Then my other families and my children, they're not place to come to stay when they came to Perth. So it was, it was beneficial for my family when they came down to go to the hospital or just to visit or come for the royal show, all these big main events in, in the life of families. You talked about how you'd always had an urge to go to the city. What about the city was appealing to you? Oh, the excitement, the shops, and just going to all the different places, all that positives. But there's always, on the other side, negative. Even though I worked, um, sometimes my funding didn't cover me over to the next pay. So I found you had to have money all the time for the buses and the trains and couldn't get help from anybody because you didn't know anybody. And if you got no money, then you had no money. But there were places, you soon learn places where you can go and get cheap stuff and cheap furniture. There was a lot of those opportunities around. And the bolt pickup furnished your house out of furniture from the side of the road. You know, that saved a lot of money as well. And what was it like going from a small country town of Norseman into like a really big city where probably it's not like when you walk down the main street of Norseman and you know everyone, you can walk into the centre of the city and not know a single person. What was that experience like for you? It was scary because I used to travel from Armadale on the train. The train was nearly empty because it's the first stop going into the city. Be an Aboriginal person. No one would want to sit next to me on the train. I didn't mind. Sometimes someone would sit, but most of the time they said, oh, an Aboriginal, they just tarred everybody with the same brush. I didn't care because I knew I was proud. I was working and I had a good job. And when I went to work, I had friends that respected me, yeah, that respected me for who I was. And how did you get into the work that you did working with the Department of Education in Perth? My boss in Kalgoorlie, I worked for him and then I left and I, and I came to Perth and then I was working at a school and he found out where I was and then he asked if I wanted to go and work for him and we were a team, so... I said, yes, and he said, in the city. And first I was a little bit hesitant, 
in the city. I'm going to work in the city. Oh, I'm exciting. And then when I came into the city, um, I really liked it because I made a lot of friends and my work was really full on. He he was a good boss. He he made sure that I was well looked after and um, we had good staff surrounding us and we not only staff, we all became friends as well. And what interested you about education? Education interested me because both of my parents couldn't read and write and I thought back after I furthered my education, I could have taught them to learn to read and write, but I, I kicked myself because I was at that age, I wasn't aware that I could do that. But now I'm very aware, I help as many families as I can, and I um, make sure my grandchildren know how to le- read and write because education is the key for Aboriginal people for survival. And so you worked in the city and you really enjoyed your career there and then you moved from Perth to Esperance. Tell me about that. Yes, and I retired. So I went back home and I didn't work for about 18 months. I just did odds and ends and then um, did a bit of travelling because I always wanted to travel. And then I saw an advertisement in our Nudgee Aboriginal Corporation for employment. So I applied for it and I got the job and I've been there for five years now. You're still working from, now you're working from the regions. Yes. And what's that experience like for you? Well, I'm working for my own group of family. It's good work, has a lot of work and travel. And because I'm knowledgeable with the family groups, so my job is easy, but then on the other hand, there's a lot of politics and you've got to be really strong to rise above this politics because our families, our people, and sometimes I don't know because they don't get the opportunity to do and I got the opportunity to educate myself, get a good job and travel and have nice things, but that's only through working hard. So Esperance, Kepakul, is known for the amazing natural assets, the beautiful coastline, the great western woodlands. Can you paint a picture of what Esperance means to you? Well, Esperance has always been a part of my life. When we were children, we would come down with mum and dad. Them days, there were no houses, so we used to live at a place called Bandy Creek and had tents and would go there. Our pop was there and our nan, and they had lots of cats. <laughs> they had a lot of cats, and all the families came from all over, and we just ate fish, played around in the bush, and all us kids, you know, we all were together all the time. It was a happy, a happy gathering and a lot of good memories, but even though we didn't have much, we had each other. What is the importance of family when you're moving back into a community where your family are, being away from them when you were in Perth and, like you said, you could host them when they came up and stayed with you? But was that something that you really enjoyed 
when you moved to Esperance, having your family around you again? Yes, it's good to have my family around because I come from a large family and we were always taught, mum and dad, our house was always home for people, not only Aboriginal people, my brothers will bring back people that have broken down on the side of the road or hitchhiker. Mum would put them up, give them a feed, and then they could go on their way the next day. Never um, turned anyone away. That was their heart, mum and dad and my brothers. They always used to bring their friends, and that's how we met a lot of people, through them, through my brothers bringing down their friends. I believe there's a thriving arts community as well within Esperance. Does that sort of bring people together and is there good storytelling and things like that within the community? Yes, and one of my nieces, Asseline, she's a very good artist and her artwork is all around Esperance and we're very proud of her. And some of the young footballers, my grandchildren, they helped to design footy tops for their team. And they did really well, came out really nice. And also at the school, the Sakrontaf program, where they encouraged the students to do art and sport. There's so much now in place for our family, mainly with education. But back in our days, we didn't have any of that. You learnt the way you learnt. Now, because all the different learning styles that our children bring, and grandchildren bring to school, probably modern-day education now, and a lot of it's hands-on and the family bonding and the group and through sport and art. So such a difference from what you, you experienced when you were growing up. Yes, big difference. And you mentioned football before as well. Yes. Do you feel like sport is a key connector in country towns as well? Oh, in Esperance, all the kids are into sports. The footy season, then it's a basketball season. Yes, the girls, they do really well. And with the netball, all our um, younger generation, they do excel in sports. And to see them when they're playing as a team, it's really electrifying. And do you go and watch them, sit along the netball court or the footy oval? Yeah, yes, sometimes I go. But when we have Aboriginal week, it's just Full on. <laughs> uh, everybody comes and people don't understand, but that's Aboriginal weekend with all fields and all the families and all the different language groups all to get together and all the boys are out running, playing footy with all their different colours. It's just you have to be there to see it. And it's similar to like up at North when they have their footy up there, you see them all proud, clapping and cheering. Yes. So much fun. Sometimes a beep of the horn and things like that. <laughs> Sometimes a little bit of wrestling on the side. <laughs> Some other team kicked the goal and they don't like it. <laughs> it's all part of it, isn't it? <laughs> and the old manners are shouting and waving their fists. <laughs> yeah. um, can you also please describe to me the landscape of Esperance? So the bush and the ocean. Esperance is absolutely beautiful. The waters are a different colour, and every day in Esperance, nowhere to lie, it's, if you're feeling down and you want to go for a drive, you just go for a drive, and that's your um, medicine, just driving or going sitting down 
at the front beach and just watching the waves and watching the kids swimming clears your mind. And if it's a really hot day, you go down in the afternoon and just wait and then the breeze come off the water. It's just um, calming. It's just like in the old days what the old people used to do. Also, all there's lots of um, sites, significant sites. They have um, ranges. They call them the Jajarak Ranges. And they do all the sites and they do the islands. And there's a lot of restoration is happening with the family groups down there. And they are the Noongar families. They're Noongar on one side and they have another family group, maybe Naju or maybe from wherever else they come from because that's what makes up um, communities. I have heard about all of the incredible initiatives that are happening for sustainability for um, the environment and the marine life down there. Um, how important is it, do you think, to protect the environments that we live in and that we're fortunate to have access to in the regions? In the early days, the old people just took what they needed. They didn't take more than they wanted. And now with the group in place, the rangers, they're teaching tourists and things, you know, look after our country, you know. When you come here, be respectful, respect the animals. There's some sacred sites, some places where they don't want people going and disturbing. But also when they're camping around, make sure they take their rubbish and everything with them and keep the place clean and tidy because that's what our lot do. Because um, Esperance is a very, well, how would I describe it? It's just a beautiful place. And when you go there, you don't want to leave. So it's important to leave it in the condition that you found it in, isn't it? Yes. And it's interesting because Esperance has been one of those places that's really picked up popularity from Instagram and from all the beaches being shared through social media and then during COVID, lots of people in the state travelled to the area. So you talk about the impact of tourists and, you know, people new coming into the region. Is it important that they make an effort to not only look after the environment but also incite curiosity about the traditional owners and the culture of the community that they come to? Yes, and there's um, murals around town, Aboriginal murals that they can talk about and discuss. There's art around that they can talk to people and they'll tell them the stories behind it. Of course, there's lots of stories around surrounding the Esperance. The people are very friendly. They're not hostile. They're very friendly. What I notice about Esperance, all the young children are very strong into sports and they're supported by their families. And if people are coming into the community and they do have an interest in wanting to connect with First Nations people and understand more about the traditional owners of the community that they're in, that, that we're living in, how do you recommend that they make those connections and find out more? Well, the Tourist Bureau has pamphlets and things there and also there are two ab um, Aboriginal corporations in town. One is the Jajarak, the other one is called Muja. They're not far from each other, that part of the town where they are, and people are happy for tourists to go there and look at the art, 
support the community. And Yvonne, over your career, you've done some amazing work to connect people within your own community and also people outside of your community to bring them together. How important is connecting across cultures and across community, do you think? Well, for us to connect across culture and community, best way of connecting, I feel, by music. As soon as we bring a band or, or a music to town, everyone will, will, will come. They will come and be part of it, black and white. And um, also, in the sad times, when we have family losses, people come from all over, and that's when the town has a lot, huge population, but it's family coming back and, and paying respect. But not only that, it's good to have more functions, like more art expos, more family days. Also, I notice with Esperance now, when there's a cultural event happening and Australia-wide, they put banners out, like with the Anzac banners, the NADOC banners, and also they've got banners of the Noongar Six Seasons. And it's beautiful to drive down the street and you see all these banners all flying in the breeze with Aboriginal art and Aboriginal faces. It makes you feel proud. Even though I'm not a Noongar, I'm still proud because it's still culture. Now, you still enjoy a very active career from Esperance working for NADU Native Title for the Prescribed Body Corporate PBC and Abbott's Trust. How do you make this work from within Esperance? Well, I travel. I travel up to Norseman and I travel to Kalgoorlie and Coolgardie. There's a big, large number of NADU people living in Kalgoorlie. So my job is to connect with them, give them um, forms, for filling out for applications because with the Naju Corporation, they have um, funding available for the Naju people, like for education, medical, elders program, so they can access this funding, but they still need to do the paperwork. So the bulk of my work is to go around, visit families face-to-face, explain things to them, make it more easier for them to understand, but some of the families are really educated and they're able to stand on their own two feet and do all that too. But there's also families that are struggling that's important for them to access those funds. And so you're a conduit who's within the community that can also help connect the dots and bring everyone together so that they can benefit. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, if they have to go to Perth to travel for medical, we've got to make sure that they have the correct paperwork so that they can get funding to go down and have accommodation and then come back. So it's pretty amazing that you're able to have such a vibrant career from within a place that's five hours away from Perth. Do you find that technology and things like that also kind of help you be able to have the same opportunity as what you get in the city. With the technology, it's great because they just go to the, to the office or to the, um, to the library and just scan and fax it off or send it an email straight away. But you still have to wait three days 
for the application to be processed. So that there, you can't hurry that up because that's the policies that need to abide by. The travel is hard sometimes. They need that extra funds. Especially a lot of our people have to come to Perth for the medical things, especially the older ones. And a lot of our families have type 2 diabetes. And with type 2 diabetes comes a range of illnesses, heart disease, liver, kidney, dialysis. That's all tied in with type 2 diabetes. And I believe that your work also involves you facilitating connections and working in-country into places like Indonesia and internationally as well. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. I really um, believe that we need to keep that connection that our elders had made with Indonesia many years ago with the sea cucumber. When you look at up in Darwin, up the top end, you can still see that in with the people, their ways similar ways and the trading and that was very important those days and now it's still important for our lot to go back and communicate with the Indonesian people because at the end of the day we got similar things together our ways and it's important for some of our youngsters to learn how to get passports learn how to travel because with me I travelled in my late 60s. I always wanted to go to America, and then when I retired, I had the money to go. So I went to America first, and I loved it. Then a couple of years, I went back again because I wanted to go to Nashville, and I wanted to go to New York. I did that. I wanted to do that, and I had the money to do it. And it's like a whole new world. And when I went to the Grand Canyon and I met an old indigenous man there at the Grand Canyon on that day, I was with the tourist group and he sort of called me aside and we started chatting. And then he was telling me the real story of the Grand Canyon. He's the true story and he told me about the levels and the dreamings. And and then when he finished and then I told him about our dreamings in our sky and out all matched up because they don't see the southern skies because all our dreaming stories are in the southern part. They got the northern hemisphere. He was amazed. He didn't want me to leave. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to take the bus. I'm going to go back. <laughs> but he just was amazed because it was so much the same. So interesting. So you're able to foster these international connections and also encourage that appetite for international connection with culture in countries far away from Australia and also diplomacy as well with the work that you're doing connecting with these countries through your culture and their culture. That's truly fascinating and to think that that can occur from within Esperance is really exciting. I think that's just an amazing part of the work that you're doing. Auntie Yvonne, what advice do you have for people looking to move to regional areas? I have a lot of good advice because when I travel throughout the regional countries, towns, and I see a lot of vacant houses and I see footy clubs struggling to um, get football players and education is important for kids because 
if they move to these regional towns, the schools are smaller and the children will get the education they need more one-on-one and families can join the sporting, you know, bring things back into their life and staying, staying in the regional countries and still not far from Perth, like they can still travel to Perth when they want to, you know, to go for significant events. But by moving back to the regional countries, it will open up their eyes and show them there are more opportunities in the region more than in the city. City is fast. Everybody's competing. Yes, you can have money, money, money. But in the regional towns, you don't have to have money. You've got food in the cupboard. The kids can walk to school. All that, and you have friends. If there's something happening in the community, everybody supports you. You're not alone. It's not about you being an Aboriginal living in a community. It's about you're part of that community. You belong. And do you feel like you gave anything up when you left the city to come back to the country? A lot of my grandchildren are still in the city, so I'll come down to see them. But they get the opportunity to come to us on school holidays and Christmas time. But that's okay. I like coming to the city and the shopping and getting things. Things you want is so cheap if you can't afford new stuff. They have lots of op shops, we call them. That's more of our mob always um, rely on the op shops. But things from the op shop looks just as good as uh, new from the, when you buy from the stores in town. Yeah, so what do you feel like that you've gained in going back to the bush? I gained by sharing my experience in Perth and by encouraging families to get educated. That's really important. I always say education is the key. Education is a way out of poverty. Once you teach your kids to read, then they can go a long way. Reading is very important. Then the rest of the stuff will just fall into place. If you were to create an ad to encourage people to move to regional Australia, what would you say? Well, in my language, I'll encourage them to come back home. Ngajubrana, come home. Come home to your family and put some cultural displays in the ad and dancing. We've got nudgy dancers, and they've toured all around the world to an ad with them and showing their culture and their dancing and showing people to come home and be proud where you come from. Amazing. And what would the key message be? Family. Family and culture. Auntie Yvonne, that was just the most amazing discussion. I feel like I've gone on a journey and it's quite hot here today. And Auntie Yvonne and I have um, come together to do this recording today in um, Perth and it's 36 degrees, I think. So we're sweltering a little bit and I'm extremely jealous that you're on your way to Esperance. <laughs> it's and cool there. But thank you so much for your time and for the generosity of your thoughts. Um, so much wisdom in what you've shared with us today. So I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> today, You Moved Where has been recorded on the land of the Wadjuk Noongar people with Auntie Yvonne Green, who is from the land of the Noongar and Nadbu people. We would like to acknowledge the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people 
as the traditional custodians of the land and pay respects to elders past and present. This episode was produced by Grace Fruvray and hosted by me, Beck Bignall. Make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts because on next week's episode, you'll hear stories like this. I, I keep pinching myself and thinking I can't believe that this is the part of the world that I call home. When you can be snorkelling on the Great Barrier Reef, it really doesn't get much better than that. You Moved Where is brought to you by www.movetomore.com.au and the Regional Australia Institute. Move to More is supported by the Australian Federal Government and if you head to www.movetomore.com.au you can search almost 2,000 regional towns and cities to find your favourite regional destination and in the same place, find your dream home and job.